Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Hey, we're, we're nearing our time in the, the Gospel of Luke. And particularly as we are in, in Luke's gospel, where we are there, we're, we're, nearing, uh, uh, we're nearing the end of Jesus' public teaching ministry, the, the, you know, his ministry in which he's not just teaching his disciples, he's teaching every. He wants everybody to hear uh, what he's saying. And of all the things that he could have said, notice what he said. And, and this is extremely convicting to me because I, I read this this week, you know, several times, and I can't find where Jesus said, beware of those church members, you know. I was like, man. No, no, rather, some of the last public teaching he gave was, beware of some religious leaders. Beware of some of those people who teach. Uh, beware of the churchy type people that look and talk a good game. Beware of people who claim Christ with their lips, but whose lives reflect something else. And, and so in the midst of a superstitiously religious people, Jesus reminded them, and he's reminding us, of the truth, of what is the gospel and what it actually looks like to have an authentic relationship with God. And so this is, look, this is a very convicting passage, and yet it's a very important passage, even for us today. And so if you remember from last week, Jesus, he, he had just sorted out the Sadducees, and, and the scribes were high-fiving. They're like, yeah, that's, what, that's how it is, Jesus. But then um, Jesus then turned his focus to the scribes, uh, which brings us to God's word. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. But Jesus said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And in the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. When Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting the, their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is God's uh, good word given to us uh, because he loves you. Uh, let's pray. Father, during this, this next little while, as we consider your word, Lord, we ask your spirit would come and, and cause soft hearts, hard hearts, just who, apathetic hearts to receive. Uh, Lord, we need your spirit to come, illuminate, and teach. We ask this in Christ. Amen. So as Jesus was, he's, remember, he's teaching in the temple before his you know, before Passion Week. 
And really to highlight and contrast what genuine faith looks like, he looks at at two polar opposites. He picks out the scribes and the widow, uh, which we'll parse out using two buckets, the the bucket of the peacocks and and pennies. Um, So first, just the peacocks. And look, we'll get to the more obvious peacock connection here in, in just a bit. But, but first, I mean, since it's, it's pretty easy to jumble up Pharisees and Sadducees and Herodians and scribes all into kind of the same category, it's probably a good idea to remember just who these scribes were, right? Because of all the religious leaders, the scribes were the scholars of Scripture. They were the, the Bible scholars. And they not only learned the Scripture, but they copied it. I mean, the reason we have the Old Testament today is because scribes meticulously copied it word for word but only that they also taught God's law they interpreted God's law for the the people and since uh, they of all people were experts in what God said they not only wrote commentaries on God's law but they also served as the lawyers of of ancient Israel which means if you needed a a legal document written up uh, that's who you called was a scribe and so imagine how much power and influence they wielded, right? Not only were they the foremost Bible scholars in a day where that was a very important thing, but they also had unparalleled access to people's estates. Uh, So they knew who had what and could no doubt influence what was done with what they had. Uh, But before Jesus addresses some of that, he first clears up some bad theology, Of all the people, the scribes had the most access to Scripture. They spent the most time in Scripture, and yet their interpretation of it uh, and, well, their teaching of the Old Testament was leading many astray. And so instead of seeking to read God's Word just for what it is, they had developed a tendency to read all of God's Word through one particular lens, and we're guilty of that, right? Uh, they, They read all of God's Word through the lens of politics, political lens. So much so that the theology of the day was one day God was going to send a Messiah. And they, they called the Christ. Not from heaven, but, but of earthly descent, biological descent of David. And this hero was going to come and galvanize the people and, and lead a rebellion to free Israel from her oppressors. And, you know, they were the original ones who would say, you know, what, what is it Palestine says? From the river to the sea, right? Israel shall be free. That's, that's what they wanted. And so they were going to establish a new Davidic-like kingdom and finally make Israel great again. And so that was their hope. That was what the kids went to bed hoping. That's what the adults lived their lives dreaming of. And to be fair, that's what Jesus' disciples also believed. And yet here Jesus gives us another lesson on careful Bible reading. He takes that anemic theology of the scribes and he says the hope of God's people is is actually way better than some political figure. And so Jesus reached way back to something that they had missed in Psalm 110. In verse 42, and again Luke read it for us this morning, but Jesus says, Verse 42, for David says, himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And Jesus says, David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? In other words, Jesus is, is 
well, he's talking about himself, right? That the Messiah isn't going to be just some mere man. That the Messiah, the, the hero, is the God-man. That though he is of the line of David, uh, at the same time, he is David's Lord. God in the flesh. And so, so Westminster, for, Jesus did not come to merely make an earthly kingdom great again. No, he said, that's way, you're thinking way too small. Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to shatter the bonds of Satan, to, to pronounce to those who are in him that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, and he died the, the death that we deserve, so that in him, in our hero, we are gathered in as God's people. He's calling us back home. And so if we rightly understand that about the Messiah, that changes everything. So, so Jesus cleaned up some of the theological trash of the scribes, but then, oh man, then he got personal. Verse 46, Jesus said, beware of the scribes, beware. You know, why do we tell people to be, beware of things? Why do we tell our kids to, hey, beware, beware of that street? Um, well, we say beware when things or when something isn't obviously dangerous, but in actuality, it, it is very dangerous. You know, it's like Sophie, I didn't think I need to, to like, tell her that, a, oh, by the way, don't, like, play over a candle with your long hair. You know, but, but she, I didn't think, to, you got to say beware of that to kids, because you're drawn into the flame, and her hair was burned up, right? Um, you know, you go to the zoo, and I'm sure they had these signs, but I don't, I don't really see them. You don't see these huge signs saying on the tiger cages saying, beware of tigers, caution tigers. Like, you know that. Like, you know you need to, like, watch out for tigers. But then you look out on the beautiful lake there, and they have these beautiful swans out there, and they're so pretty, right? And yet they have these signs everywhere. It's like, caution, <laughs> Be, beware of the swans, watch out for the swans. You're like, what's well, just a swan? Well, they do that because apparently swans are absolutely insane. They, they are super territorial creatures. And so if someone gets too close to their space, they will, not, like, they will not stop. They will not give up. They will rip every bit of skin off your bones until you get far enough away from them. And y'all remember that. I think I've shared this. Uh, y'all remember the story several years ago. There was this poor man. He was just, ki just kayaking, and he got too close to a swan's nest on accident, and and y'all, that swan swam at the man, knocked him, knocked him out of the kayak, and then drowned him. And that, okay, that's why Jesus says, beware. Beware of the scribes. I know they look pretty, but they will kill you. They will kill your soul. So these religious leaders, they were leading many astray by their teaching, by their lives. And so peacocks, we, we, look, they're, they're beautiful, beautiful birds to behold. And, but, but did you know the point of all that beauty uh, really is deception? You know, it's, they, they either puff up to trick their predators into thinking that they are bigger and badder than they actually are, or they, they, they puff up uh, to impress a mate, right, into swiping right for them, uh, to, to make them think that they are fancier, prettier, and more, like, matelier than they actually are. It's, it, but it's all about outward attention. It's about all about outward getting noticed. Uh, some of you may, may be familiar with this, but so one Sunday morning, 
in March of 2019, uh, this man named Ben Kirby uh, slept in late. Uh, he was late to church, and so he tried to pull up a live stream of a church from home. And the church that he, he pulled up, he noticed as he was watching that one of the guys on the, the worship team, the music team, uh, had on a pair of $1,000 uh, Yeezy shoes. And uh, he's like, whoa. And so he, he just snapped a quick picture of what the worship leader was wearing. And then just kind of for kicks, he, he posted it on Instagram and he created this uh, Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. Um, he gave us that gift of uh, really just to raise awareness of some of the, the uh, over-the-top lifestyles of some of America's biggest name preachers. Um, with Jesus here, he is the uh, original Preachers and Sneakers account, okay? He said, watch out for the scribes who like to walk around in their long robes. You know, back then, robes meant that you were someone of authority. Um, and uh, the longer the tassels, the better, the more authority you had, I guess. And so they didn't have nice trucks, and they didn't have trophy wives to peacock, but they had tassels. And they used them. And then Jesus says they loved the greetings in the marketplace. Uh, this doesn't mean that they actually enjoyed talking to people out, out and about in town, but rather they loved the titles and the, the greeting with reverence that they received from the people uh, around town. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but... Um, <laughs> so every time I attend our local ministerial uh, association meeting... And you, I get to meet kind of new ministers who come in and out of town. Um, you know, people will come up and they'll introduce themselves as bishop so-and-so and apostle so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so and prophet so-and-so. And number one, I, w when I hear all that, I, I, like, I'm just Richard. I'm just like, you know, the pastor at Westminster. Um, but then number two, I'm reminded of this scene from, um, from one of the Avenger movies. Um, this is where it's a little snarky, I'm sorry. Uh, it's this scene in one of the Avenger movies where Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, introduces himself to Doctor Strange. I don't know if y'all remember this, but, but um, he said, Hi, I'm Peter. And Doctor Strange said, I'm Doctor Strange. And Peter said, Oh, so we're using made-up names now. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm Spider-Man. Okay. Um, you know, we love our made-up names. We love our made-up titles. The scribes love to hide behind their titles. Or, you know, for some of us, uh, maybe the equivalence of a title, especially in the Delta, maybe just our last name, right? We, we like to hide behind our family name, who's our daddy, who's our people. And it's, it's easy, right, to hide behind a family name and that reputation and that be our security, our sense of identity. Within their final act of peacocking was where they sat. Uh, synagogues, of course, had seats of honor. It was, you know, seats up at the front, on the sides, or literally in, in the front. And those seats went to the most prestigious and talented uh, teachers. And then when they would go over to, to eat at people's houses, uh, they would always get to sit in the, the chief couch. And they, they always had special seats, not so much so they could see better, but so others could better see, see them. And so Jesus says, just because people sit in seats of honor does not mean that they are worthy of honor. Um, it's possible that they're just worshiping themselves instead of God. And so I, I know we've talked about this before, but, but can you see how 
how the ministry can be very appealing to a certain person. The, the unfortunate reality is that ministry can be very attractive to narcissists, uh, people who love, love attention. And so this is sobering. So these scribes, they, they looked the part, they had the titles, they had the respect, they had the seats, but you probably notice that there's no mention of Jesus in their lives, that you can have it all and not have Jesus and, and ultimately have nothing. You've, you've missed it. Well, Jesus then gives his harshest critique of these peacocks. He said, the scribes devour widows' houses, and for a pretense they make long prayers. And what we've heard, right, about how the religious leaders, some of them used to love to, to pray long, eloquent prayers so that everyone could be impressed by how eloquent they spoke. And, and remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount to this. He said, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues or on the street corners so that they may be seen or by others. But Jesus said, rather, when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, so we've, we've, we've heard that teaching, but what's, what's going on with these men devouring widows' houses? Well, Jesus didn't say exactly how, but if we remember how one of the jobs of the scribes was to serve as a lawyer, it's, it's not too hard to speculate that these scribes could go over to widows' homes and they would pray these long, elaborate prayers and prayerfully coerce them towards giving, and, and so they would exploit their trust that people had in them to make their own pockets deeper or to give every penny to the temple. And by the way, like we, we know this happened for sure. And that we know that many people did, in fact, give their entire inheritance, their entire estate to the temple. And guess who made out those wills? So apparently the greed of some scribes devoured widows' houses. But then Jesus said something really odd, didn't he? It, it, like haunting, even. Did, did you catch what he said right after that? About the scribes, about these peacocks, he said they will receive the greater condemnation. And we, we, we can read that and we can think, what? Oh, so there are like different levels of sin now? Is there different, like, does God interact with different sins on different levels? Okay, well, um, would you allow me just a quick theological detour? Because this is, I mean, this is a super important misconception uh, that we need to be aware of. So to this the whole concept here, the Westminster Larger Catechism, takes on this teaching in question way back in 150. And the question is this, are all transgressions of the law of God equally heinous in themselves and in the sight of God? Are all transgressions equal? And you know, it's tempting to answer that, yeah, of course. There's no major league sins and minor league sins. All sin is sin, right, before God. And so it's tempting to say that, and of course, there, that's true to some extent. However, the, the larger catechism rightly expounds the whole counsel of Scripture when it answers the question with no. All transgressions of God's law are not equally heinous, but some sins in themselves, and they say by reasons of several aggravations, are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, the catechism goes on to the very next question, and it tells us, or asks the question, okay, what are these things? What are these aggravations in which some sins are more heinous than others? And again, summarizing the Bible, the catechism lists out four uh, categories, and I'll just summarize them. So here, and this is what Jesus is getting at. It's sin committed by experienced Christians. Experienced believers is greater than that of others because what the experienced Christians have won, we've experienced longer and therefore greater experiences of grace. Uh, Number two, uh, offend not only God, but in particularly the souls of the weaker brethren. Uh, number three, when we, we knowingly sin against God's law. Like you, just, you knew it and you still did it. And number four, when others are defiled through the leadership roles that tend to go to experienced Christians. In other words, if someone is in leadership in the church and their leadership, their sin call, defiles the souls of others, that's what he's getting at. He's emphasizing that ministerial sins are particularly toxic. So sin in a pastor, sin in an elder, sin in a, uh, a, a longtime Christian, and in this case a scribe, is more grievous than in those new to the faith. And, and this is one of the reasons why Jesus was so compassionate and so gracious towards sinners while going after the religious leaders because they had had every advantage But they chose sin. And in doing so, they defiled a whole nation. They defiled a whole people. They led them astray. And, and of course, the reality is this is all of us without Jesus, right? And, And so it's with this understanding of leaders being held accountable and this greater condemnation that that James rightly concluded in James chapter 3, verse 1. He said, look, not many of you should become teachers, for you know that, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Okay, that's what Jesus is getting at with when he said they will receive the greater condemnation, okay? Which then takes us from the peacocks over to the the pennies, and this will be how we start closing out. Uh, Apparently one of the most most popular places to hang out out in the temple uh, was in the court of the women, and particularly the area in the court of the women where the offerings were made. Uh, in the court of the women, there was this area where there were 13 just huge brass receptacles where the worshipers could come up and, and they, could, they could make their offering. And, you know, far from the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing when it comes to giving, uh, people would apparently just kind of hang out and watch other people give. And this is in a time where they didn't have checks or like, you know, uh, online giving. It was like coin, coinage. And so not only would you see, but you could hear. You kind of hear what everybody's giving. And as rich people put, uh, you know, their gifts into the offering and they heard the clank, clank, clank of all those coins, Jesus didn't say anything. And you know, you got to know the disciples because they, they're still thinking that, hey, the Pharisees, all these, they're, these are well-to-do people. You've got to be thinking the disciples are thinking, Jesus, he's just waiting for the right rich person to come up and to make an offering before he's going to tell us what he wants from us. And when we see how rich they are, we will all say, I knew it. I knew I wasn't given enough. That's not what happened, is it? Apparently, it's not about the amount of the gift, but it's the heart. It's the heart of the giver. It's the, and it's the, the sacrifice 
of the gift that's involved. You know, at some point, this poor widow came up and put in two small copper coins. The implication is possibly that this widow may have been one of those whose homes had been devoured. And so the Bible says that she put in two lipta, which is the smallest coinage in their currency uh, that they had. One was the equivalent of one-eighth of a shekel. And so we're, we're talking pennies here. You know, it, it, this is something that likely, if you saw a line on the ground, you wouldn't even be tempted to, to bend over and pick it up. It's like, that's not even, my, it's not worth my back bending over to get that. Um, and what's more is these pennies wouldn't have moved the needle at all. Like, this wouldn't have affected the bottom line of the temple one bit. You know, we're, we're like, we're not having a building campaign on these pennies. I mean, if she didn't give, the temple wouldn't have even missed it. And yet, what did Jesus say? I hope, like, this is so important, y'all. Jesus said, this woman gave more than everyone. Well, what did this woman get that the scribes and these others who paraded themselves up to the offering boxes, what did she get that they did not get? Well, it was the fact, and we see this throughout Scripture, that God hates the show. He hates the posturing and positioning of, of doing and serving and giving to make ourselves look better. But this woman had nothing. I mean, I mean her, her showing up to drop off her pennies gives her no social credit whatsoever. I mean, it, this did not help her reputation at all. I mean, she could not have peacocked even if she wanted to. But simply responding to God's graciousness, goodness in her life, like she came in her nothingness with a thankful offering. And Jesus said, that's it. Like when it comes to giving, it's the, the posture of our heart makes all the difference. So to contrast that to this, so you know, tax time is coming up, right? Um, those who pay uh, self-employment inst installments. Um, and, and due to the, the dual tax status of clergy, every time I pay self-employment tax, like I, I get sick to my stomach. Um, I, I pay it, but I'm not happy about paying it, ever happy about paying it. But you know what? Apparently the IRS doesn't care about my attitude towards paying them. They don't care. They don't care if I'm happy, sad, mad, whatever. They're just like, look, just pay us the money. Um, okay, well, that is not the case with the Lord. Okay? It is all about the heart. What did John read this morning that Paul told us in Corinthians? That he, Paul said, if I, if, if I give away everything I have, if I, if I, put my, if I give my body to the cause, if I, my body is burned up, but if I have not love, I've got nothing. It's all about the motivation. And so what's Mr. Well, of course, the simple question is, why do you give? You know, do you give? And if you do, why do you give? You know, are you trying to atone for your sin? Um, are you trying to gain good graces? Or are, you, are you, or are you giving simply because God made you and God takes care of you? And in Christ, God saved you, and by the Spirit keeps you. The fact that because of the gospel, Jesus on the cross took your very real sin and died so that you could be, as we are called to worship, you could be called white as snow. Your sins could be remembered no more. You know, when you get that, that Christ took your condemnation on himself, that he took your sin, your shame, your guilt, and he gave you freedom and peace and joy and hope. 
Like when that happens, when you get that, what's your response? How do you respond to that? Because that is the defining feature of, of true faith. It's not living for the approval of others. It's living in response to the fact that in Christ you are approved of by God. And so we join the believers who have gone before us in responding like this. We say, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we, that, that like me and someone like you, would be called children of God. And by his grace, that is what we are. And so then we live and we give out of that reality. Okay? Well, this morning is an invitation uh, to do so, to receive that, to live. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for these, these words that happened so long ago, and yet they are so applicable even now. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active. It's, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, Lord, that it doesn't just appear on a page, but it pierces down to our very soul. Um, so, Lord, may it do so this morning. Uh, Lord, may you teach us again and again and again uh, just the, the wonders of Jesus, the depths of his grace to us, and, and then by your Spirit cause us to respond to that by, by living a life following Christ. Um, so, Lord, as we live, as we give, and everything in between, um, Lord, may you continue to impress that in our souls. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.